Let's take a look now at the book of Mark. I took the book of Mark for two reasons. Um, and well, I'm not going to preach through the book of Mark. We're only going to do it for the next couple of weeks. We're going to take our time through it just to kind of look at, uh, because it's a beginning. It's a beginning. Look right there. We're, we're at the beginning of Mark, the beginning of Christ's ministry. And so I thought it was wise, propitious, uh, meaningful, uh, uh, appropriate that we talk about where Jesus starts is we're starting. And then in a couple of weeks, I, you can be praying for me, but I, I, I am drawn like a moth to a candle to the book of Ezekiel. And so I am tempted just because it's insane and, and I think it, and I, for some reason I think the Holy Spirit will use it. The book of Ezekiel is, uh, is where I'm thinking we're going to, I'm going to preach for the first year. And uh, so you can bring your friends and they will, they will always be entertained. Yeah, watching the spinning wheels, the wheels of the eyes. But, uh, but right now we're looking at Mark because it's beginning, it's a beginning kind of thing. We're in a beginning situation. And there's a second reason, uh, well, there's, there's a three reasons. The second reason I like Mark is, in, look at the text. I think the word immediately happens three times, doesn't it, at least? It's, it's one of uh, Mark's favorite words. Immediately, 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 immediately. It's so, it's so funny. Everything happens immediately. And uh, for that reason, Mark is often, uh, uh, it's like a journeyman's gospel. It's a gospel that you, 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 you use uh, it's quick, it's to the point, it's sharp, it's immediate. It's actually got a lot of uh, details that indicate a first-person account. The grass is green in Mark. Stuff like that, little details. So that's one part of the dynamic. The second, but the, 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 second reason. the third reason was because the way God used Mark in my life. Um, when, I, when I, you know... Nobody, nobody gets, to, gets a front row seat to watching my, my personal spiritual weaknesses like my family does. And so, um, and when I first started in ministry, I, I had no business being a pastor, did I? <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I don't know why we hand churches to 27-year-old men uh, who think they know everything. And it doesn't take long in ministry to realize you don't know anything. Well, it took me a while. And it was the book of Mark that really rescued my heart and my ministry and my worship. Because I encountered a Jesus I had never known before. I encountered somebody of such a stature, of such an amazing quality, of such a towering significance of such a, a raw, raw, and I mean raw power. All right, let's take a look. Let me look here at, uh, look here at the beginning of the book of Mark, and um, the next three weeks we'll be looking at this, at actually the, uh, this the first sermon when Christ was preaching the gospel in verse 15, and uh, the rest is some context that will affect uh, how we, I think, how we understand the text. So, the Spirit... Immediately drove him out into the wilderness. This is talking about Christ. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals. And the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, 
John is uh, a preacher who precedes Jesus. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. Did you ever think of Jesus as a preacher, by the way? Jesus is the great preacher. And this was his gospel. This is what he was saying. This was digested. Preaching the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. In the gospel. Passing alongside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, and they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately, immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and followed him. Let me ask for uh, God to move. Father, uh, (laughs) would you come immediately (laughs) and call us? In Christ's name, amen. So, uh, uh, time. Uh, I want to talk about time today, and I want to kind of... To begin with, we're going to telescope. What we're going to do is, I want to take this first phrase, the time is fulfilled. The time is fulfilled. And I want to conjugate it in three different ways for us. Three different ways it exists in this text. Now, I am going to make claims. I, I, I believe that Christianity is primarily defined as an unembarrassed, an unembarrassed supernaturalism. Okay. And so I'm going to invite us to, to telescope and to look at this text at three different levels, okay? And I'm going to begin, I want us to begin at the biggest level possible. The biggest level possible. And that is almost like at a cosmic eternal level that Jesus, this person, Jesus, this person who's being introduced as preaching and tempted and spirit-filled is at, a cosmo, at the, the level of universal space and time. He says things like the time That's one way. The second way we're going to look at it is we're going to, we're going to get a little narrower, we'll get a little tighter. And, and I'm going to say in an unembarrassed, supernatural way that the, our ancient texts have a, um, an ongoing story. They unfold as a story. Does that make sense? They, they unfold. And when he says that, he is, he is self-aware. He's a Jew. He's self-aware. He's deeply aware of a, a part of the Bible called, does anybody know what the part of the Bible he would have read was called? The Old Testament. He is intuitively aware. In fact, he is going to quote and recite and preach from all over the Old Testament. He sees, as we kind of telescope in from the the grand cosmological kind of claim, he sees himself as in the story of God's love and opening it up and making it happen. And when he says the time is fulfilled, he's talking about a redemptive history that he he is acting on a redemptive history, I think he's going to say, serves him. And the third thing I want us to see is when he says the time is fulfilled, he's saying, it's time for me to get started doing the work of rescuing what's broken and lost. It is time for me to get started. He's talking about right there. He's not immediately practical. Does that make sense? So we're going to take it. We're going to look at the biggest down to the sharpest. So let's begin with the biggest 
Jesus is the maker of time. I look, he's kind of fun. I, all right, put it this way. Have you ever heard this expression? Um, uh, there's a couple of people in history whose arrogance is just fun to remember or fun to hear about or fun to read about. And one of my favorites is Napoleon. Apparently, he really wasn't that short. Well, it wasn't even that unusually short. Um, uh, he was actually taller. I think he was taller than you, hon. Uh, yeah, I know. And so uh, I always tease my wife about being short. But one of the things he said after they, after they defeated him and they, uh, and they tried him and they were going to exile him to Malta, he said, Après moi, déluge. Does anybody know what that means in French? After me will come the flood. And what, what kind of an idiot says that? <laughs> and the reason I knew that story was that I remember my dad saying it to me as a joke uh, years ago. You know, when I leave, après moi déluge. After me comes the flood. Nobody talks that way. That's absurd. What, what, what Napoleon was saying is, when I exit, nature will collapse. Judgment will happen. And he was a conceited idiot, right? Kind of, yeah, kind of. Who walks into the room and says, Time is fulfilled! <laughs> Who does that? You know, it's interesting. I, 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 remember, I remember the first time I was reading this, and I talked like, like I, I'd been come to Christ when I was about eight, and here I am, a pastor uh, 20 years later, and I'm struggling to understand how to be a minister, and I'm reading this, and I realize, here comes Jesus, and this is what he does. We, the, the universe is maybe, some say it's 13.7 billion years old. Some people, uh, there's debate about those things. Jesus takes time, and he says, I am the hinge. Time swivels on me. Even the idea of saying time is fulfilled is, is a weird... How do you fulfill time? It doesn't, even, it doesn't even, in a sense, you can't reach into it unless you... It only makes sense if you're the one who what? If you're claiming what? That level of cosmic and cosmological and eternal presence. Do you see, are you ready? I'm not ready. I, are you ready for this? Are you ready for a, a, a man, a God-man, who comes in with this kind of claim, with this kind of grandeur? Are you ready? I love this. And this is the kind of Jesus I want to be about and the kind of Jesus that I want to preach, teach, and love and worship. But why? Um, what effect does this have on us right away? I saw some of us kind of sigh a little bit when we feel like God is slow in answering prayers or slow to come close and touch us the way we want it. Maybe slow to plant the church on way I want it, or slow to get you a job, or slow with your kids. And I think about some of the slowness that I feel like I experience with God um, with my own voice. You know, like my hunger to see Alex really lay hold of the gospel, joy. We are forced. We are forced to humble ourselves, aren't we? Before this kind of God 
who owns time. I, I, the reason I think this is so important is because you can't, in one sense, you can't put God on your schedule like this. Does that make sense? Do you see how impertinent we are? I, I, it, there's an impertinence that, that's deep inside of us that demands God meet the schedule, right? And, 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 and then, even worse, or we'll do another, make another weird mistake, or, or we figure, look, God, I will schedule you. Have you done that too? I'm going to schedule you and how you fit into my life. You, you can't talk to the God who says, time is fulfilled because I'm here, and say, I'll put you down for next Thursday at 2. And when are you going to intersect my business plan for, uh, or my success plan and my career trajectory and what I need for my kids? Did you get this? The immediate right out the gate when Christ talks like this, I think we're being called to, to, uh, to kind of a, a deep surrender of time. And uh, the way we protect how God intersects our lives. Have you managed God out of your, Have you managed that? You know what's funny? You know what's funny about this? How many times have you heard a pastor tell you you should have, you should have a quiet time? Right? Okay. You should make time for God. He is the maker of time, right? You should make some time for him. That's good. There's a flip side to this, that it is good and holy and pure and wonderful to be setting aside time to chase God. But but what I want to get, and I I want to encourage that on one side, and and at the other side, get us away from thinking that we can manage God in our lives. Does that make sense? They're like two continuums. Honor God with the first fruits of your time. There's a real wisdom to praising God in the morning. Why? That sets the day right. It orients you right. I think it's a tithe of time. It's the first fruits of the day. It's the first gift. Back to the Lord of time. I was going to say time board, but then I get Doctor Who. (laughs) Weird Doctor Who references and geeks. I didn't mean to look at you when I said geek. I'm sorry. No, okay. I wish you did. I, 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 <laughs> okay. Our takeaway that God is, that Christ comes in this beautiful is that we will begin now to humble ourselves. And I, I am so tired of the modern urbanite protecting their time, honestly. And I honestly, and I feel like people protect their time from God. And the reality is. Uh, the time for their enjoyments and the time to go up to wine country or the time to... That wasn't just... point. I wasn't... That, was, that, that applies to everybody. <laughs> we protect, don't we? And we give time to what we love. Oh, I want Jesus to reach into our lives this way. All right. So he's the Lord of time. Let's telescope in now. Now we're looking at the redemptive historical. So uh, I was thinking about using the blackboard to do this, but it doesn't really, really matter. So Genesis 3.15, if you could picture like an opening arc like this, an opening arc across history. And uh, Mark, and the writer of Mark, and the way that he quotes Jesus there in the text, is placing, Christ is placing himself self-consciously with awareness that he is coming in the fullness of time. That's actually a, a, a phrase that Paul uses later. In the fullness of time. And this idea that he is 
at that season. This word for time here is actually the word for season. And that Christ is at the right position at the right time. And um, uh, what's the idea here? What's, that? what's a good way to put it? Um, you ever seen people do this? You ever seen people do this? Uh, I mean, I've never done this because I'm just not. I can't even imagine a situation where I would do it, where everybody sets their watches at the same time. They often do it like on some kind of operations, like the SWAT team or something, or uh, in the Navy SEALs. And they'll all, why is that important? Why does everybody set their, set their time? Why does everybody do that? They're synchronized. They're synchronized, so they know... They're all, they all know that in five minutes, and they're all on the same clock, and they're all on the same, and they're all starting at the same time, that five minutes, that team will come to that corner, and the other team will swing around the block, and the team above will parachute in, or whatever. Everything is synchronized. That's what, that's what Christ is talking about right there. He is talking about a God and his work in the ongoing machinations and intricacies and prophetic utterances and i will tell you even i know some of you struggle with belief you don't know these you don't know these ancient texts there is a wonderful architecture of anticipation and proclamation and promise and descriptions descriptions of things that would happen to jesus that predate him by a thousand years time is fulfilled he's saying i am I've synchronized. I'm synchronizing all of God's plan in history to love people. All of it. Time has come. Time is fulfilled. I've synchronized my watch. That's kind of awesome. I have two takeaways from that I want you to think about. Um, If Jesus was a part of a larger story of God's work in time and space and it went through seasons won't you? I want, to give, I want to give you guys some perspective some of you are going through seasons of pain seasons of loneliness seasons of hope seasons of frustration seasons of being broke seasons of learning right? there is in God's work, a, wonder, a wonderful work that he's doing across all of the synchronizing met, uh, uh, beauty and intricacy of how Christ was anticipated across a thousand years of history is still being worked <laughs> in the sinews of your minutes, hours, days, months, and years. And you can take great comfort in that when you can't get, a, you can't get perspective. Oh, look, what has happened is, in a sense, I guess, Star Trek has ruined our spirituality. <laughs> it has. It's ruined our spirituality. We don't think in terms of seasons. What do I mean by this? There are no seasons in Star Trek. Well, it's weird. If you think about it, everything's completely... When, how do you get food in Star Trek? Does anybody remember how you get food in Star Trek? Yeah, 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 exactly. You speak into a little box, and a fraction of a second later, your tea for Captain Picard, his Earl Grey hot, is prepared. When James T. Kirk and the aborting party wants to get to the surface of a planet, how do they do it? Huh? 
transporter beans. Bam! Every. Okay, and I, you know, look, what that's describing is the dream that we could do everything faster and faster and faster and more efficiently, and that our lives will be happy when we can finally save time. And hallelujah, my microwave has made me happy. <laughs> Deeply, profoundly happy. The microwave is really Star Trek entering the world. This was anticipated in the 70s. Immediate food. It hasn't made anybody happy, saving all that time. We have, in our, in our Christian world too, I think we suffer from the same sort of failure. What I mean is, we have, we are taking a technological model for spirituality, let's say, and we are being presented with Jesus when time means season. Why, why is time and season, what kind of a model is that? It's not a technological model. It's an agricultural model. When you say the season is fulfilled in the ancient world, what are you saying? What are you talking about? What are you, you're talking about the cycle of how things happen in the world in a very ordinary and way in which things, the seasons come and seasons go and your life is actually hinges and works on that season and it produces for you. And this is such a great perspective on life. Because it's, and if, if the maker of time himself was a part of seasonal, you see this seasonal plans and work of God, how much more will yours? You know? and, I, and I was thinking about this. There's no shortcut from this point when he starts this sermon to a cross he will die on. There's no shortcut. And there's no shortcut for the men who, who, and women who surround him who don't get him and don't understand him and don't, and don't uh, you know, there's no shortcut. And there's no shortcut for Peter learning what it looks like to be a fool and deny the one he loves. There's no way for his, there's no shortcut for him to get to. And I think about time and what God's doing. And, you know, like this, this insomnia problem I've had and, and um, or times and seasons in my marriage and times and seasons in, uh, my spiritual life, and the cycles you go through. And uh, I think it's a sweet message from our Savior that he fulfills time, and he had a time of fulfillment. And so will you. Um, The maker of time became subject to time to redeem you and I in the middle of time, or in the nick of time. Uh, getting perspective on why this crap in your life's going on is enormous. <laughs> right? It's a season. I was sharing with somebody, my insomnia, it was actually a friend of mine, yesterday. Have you heard the expression, uh, some people say, this, this will pass? It's really sweet when an old saint, an old brother in the Lord is in his 70s, will look at you and go, I know. This is a season. This is a season, Chris. I've seen these seasons too. And that is what Jesus is saying. He has seen all your seasons. So put your trust in him today. Finally, let's look at the final hinge, right? So Mark says that Jesus is very, uh, there's a wonderful book called The Self-Disclosure of Jesus. Christ, this happens, um, are any of you painfully self-aware? Is anybody... Anyone who raises their hand, they're painfully self-aware, of what, what, kind of aware of themselves all the time. 
Anybody like that here? Used to be, not anymore. Not anymore? See, I'm, I'm like... I raised my hand, but I want people. <laughs> <laughs> Blisteringly self-aware. It was horrible when I used to be there. It was horrible. Yeah, it, 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 yeah because it never, it never ends. Yeah. And, and you ever been in, or we've all been in a situation, let's say you didn't come appropriately dressed, or you show up, uh, and uh, you find out that there's a big stain on your blouse. All of a sudden, you get aware. And you're aware, you think everybody's looking at you painfully. When you read these stories, Christ is painfully self-aware of exactly where he is in his story. Aware in an eerie kind of way of what is happening and why. I want you to get like that. Why, I don't, we can't miss, and I included the verse before, that the reason Jesus is so aware of himself is because the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, it's called the Spirit in the text, the Spirit of God is moving him. Moving, drawing, moving, directing, enlightening, moving. Now I want to come down to the sharp next point to today, and I'm going to ask you to have a DTR with Jesus kind of thing, you know, to find the relationship kind of moment with Jesus. Don't talk about me. <laughs> and, uh, and I want you to have that. But, but, but it's going to require that we, if we're in this story, and this story has a sequence, and this story has a cause and effect, and the cause and effect that, you, that for you to experience it has to be by the presence of the Spirit, just like it is with Jesus. And for you to be aware of where you stand in time in your story, you're going to need Holy Spirit power to do that. You're going to need the Spirit to move and direct you, whether it's to go to, from Santa Cruz to here or from Berkeley to where. It doesn't, that we, and there's no need for this hour, for us in our story here in this place and the places we're going and doing and the way we're living, that we have to have a supernatural intersection so we can understand when time, what's happening with our time. Who we are in our story. So we will understand our process and how we connect with who he is. And I see this so vividly that we can't... And you know, I think about one of the things that's frustrating as you get older is uh, time dilates. So you can't... It happens so quickly. Everything seems... You know, you know everything's just whizzing by you so quickly. And, 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 and so you can become... You can become, as you get older, uh, a poor manager of time. You can let us whiz by. You become a master fritter, master fritterer, right? Master fritterer. Uh, we we're gonna and, and when you're young, and, and and you don't have as much of that problem. The reverse could be this: you've just got no time because you're busy so doing so many things, right? We're going to need today, and we're going to need for our time to know where we stand. So we can become not painfully self-aware, but spiritually self-aware. We're going to need the Holy Spirit to move. What will he do? What will he do? What will he do at the time? So when Christ says the time is fulfilled, he's saying, I'm going, I'm beginning a process across a few years where my blood will run and my body will be broken. 
I will be tortured and executed, and on the third day I will rise again. He's so painfully self-aware that he actually, or beautifully self-aware, if you want to put it that way, he just starts to describe this event and culminating in this table. We're going to celebrate it today. Because remember, he is the creator of time. And even as he enters time, and even as he's in his story as the maker of time, his, the events that happened thousands of years ago have immediate, immediate re- reference and immediate application today, now. So, how do we connect with this? Um, does anybody know what the proper response to an evangelistic message is? Do you know what the proper response to an evangelistic message is? What? Uh, with a what? To weep. To weep? That's sweet. <laughs> It's, it is to be converted. It is to make a decision for Christ. Do you see what happens as a result of time being fulfilled? What's the first thing that happens? What's the first result? What's, what's, when, when Mark starts using these immediately words, what starts happening? Because once the time is working, the Holy Spirit's at work, and Christ's story is at work here in the city, what's going to happen? People are going to go... And it'll happen in a room like this, and a man sitting in a chair right there, and he's going to go, and he's going to hear that Jesus has said, come follow me, and there's a moment, and there's an opportunity in time for a momentary, an an, an actual punctiliar moment for a man or a woman to go, yes, I will follow Jesus. Yes, I want to know this God, and I want to be known by him. It happens in space and time. And when Jesus says the time is fulfilled, he's talking about fulfillment for you and for me and the opportunity. What's the proper response to an evangelistic message? And I will hope and pray, and I'm going to always strive that every time I speak, it will be evangelistically. Right? That will be a part of it. And it will call people who used to know God to know God again, or for those who thought they knew God to know him truly, or for those who have wandered, or those who do know to be comforted. So, first of all, today at the DTR, define the, define the relationship. Isn't that what it's called? A DTR. <laughs> Thanks. You didn't know what that means? Well, now you do. You need to have one, too. And it's at DTR to find the relationship. DTR conversations. Oh, good grief. I know I'm such a geek. Um, I'm joking, but the, uh, the find the relationship. So, first of all, what is the, is the time for you to repent and believe and to know Christ? Immediately. You know, when I became a Christian at the tender age of eight, I remember, I remember, I remember. I'd been raised a Buddhist. I remember. I'm sitting in the church. I remember. He cried out. The, the preacher cried out, come to Christ. I remember. I walked forward. I remember. I was not the same man. I was not the same child ever again. I was one way one day and a different way the next. The time is right, isn't it, for us to know Jesus. I get excited about that. Second, though, what about for you and me? We know Jesus. I think it's the time for assurance. It's the time to know that Jesus moves so purposefully in his time as the maker of time 
in all the redemptive historical time, all the way down to the time the Spirit moved him, and he began to speak at a particular time that there would be a time when his death would be enough for Brittany forever. And so, one of the tender things that Jesus is saying for you as us as believers, it is time for us to live with some joy and assurance that Jesus loves sinners. It is always time for the believer, for the one who has turned to Christ, to rejoice with new assurance. The maker of time has come. Let's pray. Father, it's uh, the time is fulfilled. I pray that you would fulfill it today with new assurance for my brothers and sisters who I love. If the time is today, then I pray, Father, that you would bless us with you would bless us with um, converting love, uh, responding to you, say, "Follow me," and yes, I will follow you. Father, as we come to the table today with this blood and this. And, and, and the body of, of, your, of your son, Jesus. Father, make it by your spirit. Just the same thing. We need the spirit to act in space and time to, to drive us and to make this table real by faith. Father, we present all of our lives before you. I praise you as the maker of time. I praise you for entering time in your history to save, a, save us and rescue people like us. I praise you that at a date and an hour and a time, uh, you died on the cross. And a date and an hour and a time, in time, you rose from the dead. Glory be to your name, forever and ever. Amen.